You're listening to Live and Friends Self-Care Sunday podcast. This week is episode 11. I'm going to be speaking with one of my oldest and bestest friends, Josh Dalton, who is a musician. And we're going to be discussing the topic, finding meaning in the mundane. If you haven't had a chance to have a look at the written post about this topic on Liv's Self-Care Sunday on Instagram, do have a look at that and make sure that you follow that account to stay up to date with the written posts. So without further ado, grab a coffee, put your feet up and let's dive right in. Uh, welcome to episode 11 of Live and Friends Self-Care Sunday. Uh, today I am joined by my long-term friend, Josh Dalton. Hello, Josh. Hello, Olivia. Would you like to... It's Liv. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, yes, I, I am a musician from Bristol. Um, I work for a band at the moment called Girl. Um, it's sort of a uh, neo-soul uh, band and have dealt with mental health uh, issues uh, in my past uh, anxiety for instance and um yeah things like uh your podcast have uh, certainly helped uh with you know keeping that mental health up <laughs> up and healthy <laughs> good good that's the aim so um this week the topic is um finding meaning in the mundane so um start off with i suppose are you would you say how would you because i said that i'm kind of i'm basically like existential nihilist basically <laughs> um is, is that how you would say you are or what would you say yeah i i don't i can understand that i identify with that um you know i don't believe in god or, or anything like that or any kind of higher purpose other than what we can see around us so i certainly appreciate uh, a nihilist view it ma- it makes sense doesn't it yeah yeah why why would you say that you're a nihilist what what kind of makes you think that um I, I suppose i'm very much um i'd say i'm the same as you that if it's something that i can't kind of see or i can't kind of see the evidence of then i'm not gonna so for me personally i don't kind of believe that there's anything after death um i don't believe in any sort of higher power or anything like that just because i don't see any evidence of it like i think it's incredible that we're here and that you know nature and life and everything i think it's amazing but at the same time i don't see any evidence that it's not all just kind of like dumb luck you know (laughs) yeah absolutely and uh as amazing as that is, and nature is, you know, n- nature is the only God we really need. Uh, it is, you know, the, the vast cosmos is awe inspiring, but it also can make you feel incredibly small. <laughs> and, yes. and ultimately, yeah, in your blip of an existence, not much you're, you can do will, will have a difference on, on, you know, the greater, uh, you know, environment really. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know that it's something with you mentioned with mental health stuff. My mental health is something that I, I always kind of return to it. I always return to the fact, like I get very demotivated um, by the fact that I, I kind of have these feelings of, oh, why, do, why am I even bothering? Like it doesn't even matter. Um, is, would you say that's something you deal with as well? Or yeah, I, I, I think so. To to a certain point, um, 
I, there, there is a driving nature, I think, in all creative types, in, including yourself, just, just to keep creating. Um, I don't exactly know for why, but, um, that, yeah, there, there is this kind of need. So I, you know, I do find purpose in creation, um, you know, yeah. in being creative. Um, but, yeah. but at the end of the day, we're all, yeah, we all are just going to be worm food. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> getting depressing. <laughs> so how would you say your, um, like your music kind of plays into that? Well, there is, uh, is connection to, to other human beings, I think. So when you, when you have a, a you know, a private moment, when you're going through something and, uh, it, it's cathartic to channel it into a into a painting or into a poem or into into a song and then uh to a certain degree the music says things that the words can't so if you can marry the two together so it's just mm-hmm. you know if your words only take you so far that the music can support it in a way that drives home your message then you give that to your fellow musicians and if they respond in a way that, that, you know, it moves them in a similar way, then there's empathy there, there's community there. And then it becomes that, but on an even larger scale, uh, when you play it in front of an audience and uh, exponentially thereafter, because we all want to know that we're not alone and that, you know, I, I, I understand how you feel. I think music is a good conduit for that. It's, it's like going, going around to a friend's house and having ice cream and, you know, shooting the shit because you, you've both been through something, but you can do it with a stranger because, you know, it's music and it, it transcends. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, totally. It's just interesting to me. I didn't really kind of think of creating in that sense, especially music, I suppose. But to be honest, that, that just wasn't what I was expecting your answer to be. <laughs> so it was, um, yeah, so that was just interesting. So would you say more than, I mean, do you not get a sense of you want to create something to kind of, I don't know, out, outlast you in a sense? Because it's the whole sense of uh, making art in order to leave something behind? Uh, yeah, no, definitely. I, I once, <laughs> when I was about, I don't know, 14, 15, I had a bit of a, um, yeah, uh, a bit of an existential crisis. Because <laughs> I, I think as all, as all teenagers do. Um, and... Because I, I I didn't I just turned my back on on the Catholic Church. Not that they missed me. That that sounded far too far too. But <laughs> I turned my back. <laughs> but um, uh, I just I just stopped believing in God, and I and I and I sort of started thinking more towards Buddhism, and and with that comes this idea of um of reincarnation, and I thought. Well, I'd, I'd hate to have my memories. I'd hate to be born into a turtle or something and, and remember that I used to be this artist. But, right. you know, but I'd also hate to, to forget it because it meant so much to me. So I thought if I could, you know, surely become the next Michael Jackson, then uh, there would be no way of escaping, uh, you know. And, and also, uh, you know, there is a certain degree of immortality, um, with with yeah with art to leave something behind to leave a legacy behind to you know to a certain degree if you do a good job of it it's your duty to leave this world better than you found it so if you manage to do that right. in art then yeah is that how you feel about film or about this podcast 
I mean, yeah, I suppose so. Um, I think it's in a way it's just kind of realizing that I have things to offer and it's the sort of thing that no one else can do, like the specific type of work and stuff that I like to create at this moment in time. It's something that kind of no one else is doing that, you know, very specific type of creating. Um, and that's, I find that quite interesting in the sense that you can feel so tiny, um, but then actually something that you create could really touch someone else and could, um, you know, make an impact or inspire someone else. Um, so that's kind of, I don't know, I suppose like a, it's like a power trip, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. If you want to, if you wanted to escape the whole nihilism thing, then it is certainly, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing because we, we want to connect with people. We want, we want to move people. Um, and, and it, you know, it's cathartic in that sense, but there is also the tiniest bit of vanity <laughs> behind, you know, oh, yeah. you know, oh, now I've, now I've created this. Now it's going to do really well. And, you know, I, I, when, when I die, people will remember me, you know, wasn't it Oscar Wilde? Did he say that, um, when somebody dies, they die twice. First, when they actually physically perish. And the second, when the last person to speak their name speaks it for the last time, you know? <laughs> oh, is that, did Oscar Wilde say that? I don't, you know what? I've said this now and it's on a podcast, so it's going to last forever. <laughs> I'm probably completely wrong, but some, somebody somewhere said that and it moved me. So <laughs> it was the, have you seen the film Coco, that um, Disney film? Was it Disney? No, maybe it's Pixar. Um, I'm, that was the premise of that film, that, basically, but the, it was all like mariachi, Mexican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it, but so, so what happens in that? It's, um, oh gosh, if I can even remember, you know, it feels like such a long time ago. It's uh, the premise of the film is basically that when you die, you don't really die. It's as long as you're keeping like your family, um, is kind of keeping your memory alive and stuff. So it's like they just they go into like the day of the dead and whatever, and then um, the little boy like goes into the land of the dead or something or other, and they're they're in the land of the dead until the last person forgets them, kind of thing, and then they're truly dead. Hmm. So it's basically about keeping your family's memories and their honor and whatever alive. No, I can I can appreciate that. I think there's and there's something to be said for tradition in that sense as well. Um, yeah. But you know, then then there becomes so then I get they, you can you can look at that from your nihilism perspective and and think well, you know, but what w- what is you know what is experience if not consciousness? You know, who, who cares if people remember me after I die? Like you know, I'm not aware right. of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But I suppose it's just about even if that's what you believe in, just kind of choosing to ignore it do you know what i mean just kind of <laughs> maybe that's the wrong advice maybe like press it back down but um <laughs> but uh yeah I, I suppose it's quite interesting how it's like different it's kind of very cultural yeah um kind of attitudes towards i suppose like consciousness and life in general and death um it is quite cultural and it really does depend on kind of where in the world you grow up um is your at- attitudes and obviously stuff like religion yeah, that. Well, as somebody that's grown up in England, how, what what do you think the the English culture is towards consciousness and and, and life after death and things like that? See, I don't know. When I think about why it is that I'm like I am very existential nihilist, like that's just kind of 
I just think that's it. I don't kind of think there's anything deeper. And I'm like, why is it that I think that? Why I don't really have any like faith or belief in, in anything. And I do think it's kind of how I was brought up and how I grew up because my parents aren't religious in any way. Um, and they just kind of, the way I was, I mean, I kind of like the lower school that I went to was a little bit religious. We sang like happy clappy Jesus songs and stuff like that. Mm. But apart from that, I just never really had any sort of kind of religion or belief. Like my parents aren't kind of spiritual in any way or anything like that. Um, so I think maybe it is to do with how I was brought up and where, where I was kind of where I had my childhood. Yeah. It's, it's strange because so having people in my family who are still religious, I have been to a few religious ceremonies, um, uh, mainly, you know, Roman Catholic ones. And I, th- I think my issue with it, um, in respect to, you know, you asking, you, you, you thinking about, um, uh, no evidence and, and whatnot is that a lot of the reasons for being good is this obsession with this, uh, life everlasting. Well, don't, don't worry, but you know, just be good because of this and that and don't hurt people because then you will live forever after right, all this. Yeah. And uh, that's not a good reason to be good. Um, right. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and I don't know. I, that's, that's, it seems like an odd promise. What we need is is practical solutions for the here and now. And I think that would help with things like mindfulness and re- remaining grounded, that to, mm. to not just put all your eggs in the basket of what will happen after I die. Things would be great as soon as, you know, it's worth all the trial and tribulations. More like, no, let's think about, pra- you know, I think I'm just going off on one now, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. Like pra- practical solutions for the here and now. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, and you know that that could make your life worthwhile. Um, yeah, and I don't think necessarily religions that we're used to in England promote that, uh, or the cult, or the culture of of life after death, or or the meaning of life. You know, is is really around making it worthwhile while you're in it. It's about making sure you go to the right place when it ends. You know, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like kind of like Christianity or religion as a whole, like, um, it just feel like it was, they were trying to teach morals and then it just at somewhere along the line, it just went, got out of hand. Like some guy somewhere went, we can make money off this. Like, yeah. uh, you know, and it just went a bit, whoa, <laughs> went out of control. But, um, I feel like essentially, like if you look at the Bible, all it really is, they're stories that are trying to teach you about morals and stuff like that. They're not like realistic stories in any way. Um, but it is, yeah, it is interesting how there are people who kind of give up their lives, um, in order to, for, you know, the promise of an afterlife or whatever, which is, it's bizarre. And I'm not sure how it's, it's, it's a strange concept to me, the idea that someone could spend their life doing that with no kind of qualms and at no point do they go, hang on a second. This is like, you know, I'm doing this for a promise. It's not actually, you know, guaranteed. Absolutely. And I, I think, I think provided you are, you know, um, reasonably, you know, middle class and white and straight, then you can live a quite a good, 
holy life and it will be fulfilling with that promise in mind. But if you're gay um, and let's say a woman and you're trying to abide by this Bible, uh, I, I can't find a way. I, pr- I promised my girlfriend that I wouldn't be too controversial. <laughs> But you know, I, I do. I do think it's possible. Yeah, if you're if you're straight and you're white and you're male and blah blah, you you can read the Bible and, and you can you can have this promise and you, your life can still be fulfilling, provided you you know you have this this promise and whatnot. But I can't imagine right. if you don't adhere to those um, you know those dynamics, then I can't. You know, if you're gay and you honestly truly believe in what the Bible has to say, then you are. Yeah. I, you know, you you must you must suppress it. You must yeah. live your life never really experiencing romantic life for uh, for a promise, like you say. Which yeah. I don't I don't think that's good for anyone. I think romantic love is so incredibly important to one's mental well being, you know. Yeah, definitely. But um yeah, so maybe talk a bit a little bit about that, about how because I wrote in the post about how um, the most kind of fulfillment that I get and the kind of the biggest joy in my life is the connections that I have with other people, mm. um, which is you, briefly what you said as well about why you um, enjoy doing music and stuff. So um, kind of maybe looking at kind of the relationships in your life and things like that, is that something that you feel as well? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we're, we're, we're tribalist um creatures uh, i think community is in, in, incredibly important and yeah. you you do tend to find uh if you can c- connect to another human being um it does make life worthwhile um you know yeah l- love is a good thing um grief and compassion through that you know is it is nice to to feel like on a very chemical level, you've gone through quite a similar experience as somebody else and it can make you feel, you know, connected and familial. Um, yeah. Well, you, yeah, you mentioned in your post about your relationship with your family. Mm-hmm. Is, um, is that something, you know, because obviously you're, you're, I know your parents, they're brilliant human beings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does that help you sort of uh, qualm your nihilistic uh views oh gosh um i would say so the fact that i have a good relationship with my parents is um is important to me um but yeah like it's just, it's the sort of thing like i i worry for them all the time <laughs> um and i do worry about them and the fact like just even thinking about the fact that they're going to go before i do like i like i cry every time i even think about it like i can't even really conceive it yeah um and it is like a, it's a hard thing to deal with but it is you know it's it is just part of life um yeah. so yeah so i suppose it's coming to terms with the fact that um that what am i trying to say here <laughs> <laughs> I uh, yeah I think that is it is it's that's difficult to grasp. I, su- yeah. I suppose you can you can try and make peace with it in a circle of life kind of way, but um, it doesn't make it any more yeah difficult. I don't think. Um, yeah. My my grandmother, as you know, she she did most well. She did a lot of my raising, and um, mm-hmm. you know, so my 
a hypothetical uh, parents, I'd still get a good, you know, I don't know, 30 years of them, you know, to see, to see me into past my um, uh, being, being middle-aged. But, you know, my, my nan's not as young as that. So yeah. the idea that um, she will leave me, well, you know, she, she will leave, she'll shuffle off this mortal girl, she'll finally kick the bucket and give me my inheritance. <laughs> that, that idea frightens me. Of course it does. Because there is, yeah. there is so much meaning in the relationship that I have with her. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think I had like a bit of a moment. It was the other week there was, um, there was an accident that happened in basically the road where I live, like the road over from it. So the main road, um, someone was basically like, there was a car crash where a car veered off the road and went onto the pavement and hit someone on the pavement. And like, and that person died. My um, and that was like, that was a, cra- that was a crazy moment for me. Cause, um, I was kind of like, that's like, it was outside the co-op, which I go to all the time to get stuff. Um, and I was like, that could have been me. That could have been one of my flatmates. That could have been someone on their way to my house. Like, you know what I mean? So it was, a, uh, it was kind of an, uh, it was strange to say, but it was like an eye opening moment of like, oh my God, I could, I could go at any minute. Like yeah. there are things that are beyond my control where like, I can't stop it. If that's, you know, if that's going to happen to me, then that's going to happen to me. I can go at any moment. Um, so that was a bit of a strange kind of <laughs> realization to come to of like, wow, what am I going to do with this information? And it was, it was mostly a good thing. I think since then I've been a bit more kind of trying to live for the day and trying to, you know, all those kind of cliche kind of things like being present, live every day like it's your last, you know, all of that. <laughs> I, I, it's absolutely possible to go crazy with those sorts of thoughts. Oh yeah, definitely. But yeah, and and it's one of, it's one of those moments where one just has to be smarter than one's anxieties to say, well, no, I, I, okay, yeah. So at, at any given moment, I may get hit by a bus. So now knowing yeah. that information, I just have to move on because you yeah. know I got to go to work or I've got to you know I've got to see my friends or I got to get I got to go to the co-op. You know, and I can't let the fear that I might get I probably won't get hit by a bus. I uh, saw. So I, yeah. I, I, I saw. So I got to pick up some broccoli, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. Is broccoli worth the risk? No, but uh, hopefully that won't be a risk. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you can't let that those kind of thoughts stop you from living your life. And yeah, and and, and similarly uh, with you know with your loved ones as well. Christ, the the amount of times you know my girlfriend hasn't picked up the phone immediately and i thought oh yeah she's 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 definitely slipped in the shower and you know she's blood everywhere of course right you know because yeah. that would be because i can prepare myself for the worst case scenario and and then maybe it won't be as traumatic you know if it happens of course it of course i'm sure it'd be much worse but the, you just have to say to yourself now she's you know probably just you know doing something else because you know she's an independent person that has things better things to do than um you know talk to me all the time yeah. But, you know, yeah, it, it can't help but think, God, you know, what if? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, maybe it's just about rather than letting those thoughts kind of cripple you, just let them kind of, um, not pushing them down, but kind of going, well, it hasn't happened to me yet, so I may as well make the most of the fact it hasn't happened, you know? Yes, 
Absolutely. I think there, yeah. there, there is a, it depends on how healthy you are mentally as well. It does come to a point if you can let stuff go, and I know it can be difficult, the concept of letting things go totally escapes me for the longest time. But if you can just try to keep moving forward um, yeah. in amongst all the chaos, you, you, you may find yourself blissfully distracted. Right, yeah. Yeah, definitely. What are your thoughts on the kind of um so the like the title of this topic is finding meaning in the mundane. What are your kind of thoughts on the mundane? Well, yeah, looking looking through what you'd written about it, um so I, I've recently discovered flat whites. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most mundane thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, God, they're good. <laughs> And and not 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 to, but that that's it though. That that's kind of, you know, it's about appreciating things that you can so easily look past, and and we we all do it uh, all the time without thinking about it. And it's just about taking a little bit of extra time. So when you take that first sip of your flat white your body immediately chemically says to you, oh God, that's delicious. And you don't vocalize it. You don't even think about it for too long. Or when you've, when you put on, uh, you know, a, a, a freshly, you know, you, 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 you've done your laundry. You've put, you've put your, your shirt on the radiator. You've ironed it. And now you're putting it on and it's crisp and it's warm and it smells of jasmine or whatever. Mm -hmm. Your brain will immediately go, God, that feels good. But because mm-hmm. because you're you know twenty something and you've got bills to pay and this and that you don't you know you you that's that's not an important thought but mm-hmm. it is um, yeah I think it is it is important to maybe you know put that shirt on a little a little slower um, yeah or you know if there's somebody around to vocalize it to say you know God this shirt smells good. Which I know, <laughs> yeah. I know, sounds silly. They don't have to do that, but whatever it takes for you to to not just have that immediate chemical response and to move on from it, but to yeah. to spend a little bit of time on that thought and say, no, this is a satisfying moment, even if it's a small one. Yeah, so th- definitely. Does that, yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. I think it really ties in with. Um, Uh, one of the I can't remember what episode it was I think it was episode three or something Um, I was talking about living in the moment and I think it definitely ties in with that about how if you're kind of more present then you're like if you're if you're having a sip of coffee I I personally I love coffee I get so much joy from coffee which is why I keep keep on spending all my money at Starbucks and whatever Um, but like if you if you're thinking of a million other things, if you're thinking about what time you have to, you know, go into work, what you're going to have for dinner, blah, 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 while you're sipping that coffee, you're just not going to appreciate it. Yeah. And so I feel like it's a kind of thing where you do have to kind of try and be present in a moment in order to fully enjoy it. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, and that's, that's, yeah. that's why so many people, turned to turn to meditation and things like that because they you know they want a lot a certain amount of time where they can 
try to be present or try to be devoid of what they have to do in an hour. Right. Um, yeah. But if, yeah, but if it is possible just on a, on a, on a small scale, like you say, to just actually appreciate that delicious coffee as opposed yeah. to, you know, thinking like, oh no, uh, <laughs> tomorrow this has got to happen, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think I used the, in that post about that one, I used the analogy of music where I said, like, have you ever put on a, like, put on your favorite song and then got to the end of the song and suddenly realized that you weren't listening to it properly, like you were thinking about something else and you have to, like, go back to the start of the song and go, oh, I'm actually going to listen to it this time. Um, so yeah, I do find that with things, with things like music, I do actually think that I kind of use music as a form of meditation because I proper focus on the music uh, while I'm listening to it. And then in that way, I'm proper um, immersing myself in it and really like enjoying it and re- like enjoying all the nuances of it. Is that because I know that you're an avid music listener, would you say? Yes, absolutely. Um, I, I And I do that. I, I, have, I have done that with what you just said in terms of, um, you know, I've, I've been listening to put on my favorite song, but I've busied myself sometimes with an activity but some, yeah. sometimes just just simply by by thinking, usually planning, I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to do that. And mm-hmm. certain parts of the music that I look forward to hearing, that key change there or that chorus there, um, I've totally, I haven't even, it hasn't affected me at all. Um, yeah. So that's the perfect analogy in a sense like, yeah, well, let's stop. Let's rewind. Let's start again um, and, and really listen to it. Um, yeah. I think to a certain degree, uh, as a musician, if, if you are equipped with the, with the vocabulary, uh, you can, there is a, there is a deeper level of appreciation. Um, yeah. you know, because you can, you can, you can notice when a musician is being, uh, funny with their, with their, or, or if they're being, if they're showing off too much or, you know, or little interesting things that don't happen in, in music normally. So that's good. Yeah. But then I also feel that musicians that are like that are almost too close to it, that actually people that don't have that vocabulary are experiencing it on right. a more natural, visceral, uh, you know, experience. If you, does that make sense? Do you think? Because I've not, I don't know, I've always, because I've, I've had a musical, I, I play piano since I was five years old. And I studied music theory and then I studied it for GCSE and A-level and stuff. So I've, I've kind of always had a kind of understanding of music and like music theory and all of that, uh, which you have as well, right? Like you've studied music for the longest time. You've played guitar for the longest time. Yeah. So I actually, I actually have no, I didn't even think about it, to be honest. I have no idea what it's like for someone to listen to a piece of music and not really know exactly what's going on. Yeah. So, oh, do you know about that? Do you know, do you know <laughs> other people enjoy music more or less? <laughs> yeah, I, it, there is, there is a, uh, there is a difference. So I, now I listen to a lot of jazz because I, I well, like most guitarists, I started listening to blues and you quite quickly learn the tropes of quite basic blues. Yeah. And, and, and it, it can become predictable. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and then you learn rock and classical and this, and, and they all follow certain tropes that lead them to pop uh-huh. music. Whereas jazz, because a lot of it can be so advanced, it reminds me of when I didn't know how music worked. 
Oh, interesting. So there is that. But then also uh, uh, with jazz, because there is, it's all about tension and resolution. If Mm -hmm. you play that to somebody that doesn't understand or appreciate the reason why this person's playing a horrible sounding chord and it's about to make sense, you know, it just sounds like noise to them and it's horrible. And that to me, because that's sort of music for musicians, that can be quite elitist. And I I think maybe having a more visceral thing like, well, uh, no, Josh, that just sounds bad. (laughs) might actually be truer. Um, I'm just being a bit of a snob, you know? Right. Yeah. But as long as people can, can appreciate it and, and take time with it, they might not necessarily know exactly what's going on, but it, it, it will probably connect with them on an emotional level, similar to how it does with you or I. Yeah. I think I definitely I would put listening to music as one of like my top like joys of life, <laughs> which is a very dramatic thing to say, but uh, you get what I mean. Well, for for as long as I've known you, you've you've always, although although more recently you've been into kind of more hip hop and kind of uh, dare I say some pop, but <laughs> when you know ten years ago, I remember you telling me like depressing music is the best music (laughs) (laughs) i still feel like that (laughs) i still listen to radiohead and cigarettes and all of that does that does that still make you does that help you mentally does that does that help you would you would you say that is uh you know finding beauty in the mundane yeah i suppose i would i mean something like um I know something like Sigaross, like we've seen Sigaross together, mm. which was a lovely experience. I'll never forget. Um, yeah, something like that really makes you, I mean, Sigaross is the kind of music that I would like to die to. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like while I'm dying, play Sigaross in the background. Or, or if you had um, the choice to be born with. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? <laughs> But uh, yeah, so it's the kind of that that kind of music. I think there is definitely a a very direct link between the kind of like life and death and that kind of music. I don't. It's um, I I can't really place why it is. To be honest, I think just because it is so beautiful. But I can't kind of. Maybe you could word this better. What what makes it? What Sigurus in particular. I mean, yeah, just as an example, I suppose. I think their music is is quite it, it's it's melodramatic. It really it takes a small idea on a very large journey, um, right? And I, you know, that's why it's it's the the soundtrack to so many film scores. Um, yeah, be, you know, because it is so grand. It's not like Ed Sheeran singing about Doritos, you know. <laughs> and there's nothing. Does he sing about Doritos? Well, I, I don't know. You know, <laughs> probably. <laughs> There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with Doritos, you know. That, that's absolutely fine. Yeah, people like Doritos. Yeah, people like Doritos. That's that's not not every song should be, you know. Especially if we're talking about beauty of the mundane. Not every right, yeah. not every song and not every thought process should be about birth and death and brotherhood and loss and sex and yeah. drugs. You know, some songs should be about you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, like whatever the hell Ed Sheeran sings sings about or. You know, riding shotgun or something. Yeah. You know. Um, what does um tell us a bit about what your what your band girl plays? Ugh. I'm interested. I'm yet to hear you play, but hopefully I will soon. Um, 
we yeah we're kind of uh, very hip hop influenced very groove influenced very uh, we lean heavily on kind of uh neo soul and r&b so okay the the that's that that's the musical side of it um mm-hmm. that there, there is a place in between beats uh where things sort of sound out of place d'angelo does this very well it, it to 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 a lot of people it would sound out of time um mm-hmm. but because you're expecting the music to fall in a certain way uh and it and it doesn't that creates a, a whole other kind of groove right mm-hmm. it sounds very much like that um that is yeah that 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 is where it where we can stem from musically lyrically it's you know it's very much kind of uh about love and um you know uh, loss and anxiety and uh not all depressing things but um things that matter i think i don't i don't i don't sing about things that that don't that don't matter to me in a in a great way and m- most songs are cathartic most songs it's me either paying homage to something or or mm. working through some kind of thought process right yeah that was a lot of jargon you can you can edit that so that <laughs> sounds really clever <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm interested so there are there are three of you in the band right yeah three? yeah yeah we uh so you- we play as a four piece but we haven't found a drummer that we like yet <laughs> oh okay so um, any potential drummers out there? Oh yeah, please. <laughs> <laughs> Get in touch. Yeah, if you, if you like gospel music, hit me up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I can't. Are you going to be playing any London shows soon? We actually are um, uh, in May. Um, oh yeah. Uh, look, look, look. I don't, I don't know the date right now, so look in the show notes. Um, this this is not meant to be a plug for my band. Um, but it should be though because your band is awesome thank you thank you you. i haven't heard your band yet but i know that it's awesome because uh, i've heard this music i just haven't heard you live uh, that's what i mean then you will you will see us in london yeah we're we'll be supporting um an artist called now i haven't met her so i don't know how to pronounce it i read it as gazelle but it might be gazel it might be because it's only one l but um oh how do you what G A Z E L? Yeah, I know. And you've never heard it spoken. No. Okay, well that'll be a nice surprise yeah, for exactly. you. <laughs> but, yeah, but she's she's incredible. So um, yeah, oh, awesome. we're, we're very much looking forward to supporting her. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, if you if you are, you know, if you're an artist or you can find art in what you do, be it. Um, music or painting or, or, or filmmaking or if it's not uh you know i suppose uh stereotypically creative similarly to what you said in terms of politics and and law and things mm. like that being able to connect with people i think yeah i think that is a good way of finding you know finding that beauty yeah definitely i think it's about finding what you're passionate about as well i think i do speak to a lot of quite young people who don't really know what they're passionate about yet and I think it is part of like just some people just love helping other people some people obviously like feel passionate about you know things like law um, and the government and will kind of want to see things changed and things like that so I think it's really 
um, good to kind of explore and just to find what you're passionate about. Because then once you've found something that you feel like you actually have an impact on, like you can actually make some sort of difference, however small, I think that definitely kind of helps with, you know, feelings of why am I bothering? This doesn't matter. Would you say that passionless people exist? And if they do, would this podcast be of help to them? Passionless people. Yeah, are there people without passion? Or or is there a passion inside everyone and you just have to find it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, maybe maybe that's me speaking from a bubble and that, you know, not really knowing outside of my bubble. Um, but I feel like a lot of people, they just kind of, they're not kind of encouraged um, to find what they're really passionate about. I think there's definitely a, a, like a sense that people should be too cool for school and that they should act like they don't give a shit about anything, which drives me insane. Whenever I meet anyone who acts like they don't give a shit about anything, I'm genuinely like, stop it. Like, this is so annoying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I don't think there is such a thing as passionless people. I think you're, you're going to be passionate no matter what, even if it's about being a parent and having children or if it's about being a husband or wife or if it's, you know, I think there's, people will definitely find their passion somewhere, even if it's not something to do with creating or something to do with, you know, being a lawyer or whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I, I think you're, I think you're right. Um, and I, th- I think especially in, in a capitalist society there is um more of a you're encouraged to make money or you're you're, yeah. you're encouraged to um you know create a job for yourself or or, or to or to be practical uh, even mm-hmm. as a as an artist it's okay well you know how can we package this and my my girlfriend makes uh, uh she draws mandalas and um when she first started she asked me you know is this of worth and i was like oh, yeah of course it is and she said no but would somebody buy this and i said that, that doesn't give it worth you know right yeah it, it has value to you it doesn't i'm yeah. sure somebody somewhere would buy it because it, it is great but you know it should exist purely so that it can exist. I, I actually remember, um, I went, so I went to a music college and so much of what you were taught was, so your song has to be three minutes or three minutes 30, uh, no more than that. Um, the vocals have to be in by 15 seconds, the chorus by 30 seconds. Um, you're in, you're out, middle eight, bush, bash, bosh, there's your pop song. Right. And you were, we, we yeah. were told that. And for three years, I, you know, I had maybe label interest here and there, but nobody really saying to me that moved me. And then mm-hmm. it kept to my, to my last year at that school. And I wrote a song about my father and it was eight minutes long. And, uh, and it, it, it was the song that we, we headlined the, you know, the end of year show where we, we were the headliners for that because we wrote this song. And I was asked if I could cut it down. And I said, no, it wouldn't make sense if I cut it down. Unfortunately, it has to be eight minutes long. And then the, the interest we got from that and the, the appreciation that we got from the crowd eclipsed the three years that came before it. But more importantly than any of that mumbo jumbo is that it was important to me that that song now exists in the world somewhere. 
that, I, right, that I've yeah. said that and it is, it's uncensored, it's emotional um, and it exists mm-hmm. purely so that it has a life, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think maybe we focus a bit too much on what we can do for other people, whereas it's, I think it's um, good to, like, like you said, like you, in that uh, there was value in that piece of work because it was true to yourself and it was, you know, it had value for you. Um, yeah, I think we maybe we do get a bit too wrapped up sometimes in trying to please other people and trying to, yeah, make, you know, make what we do um, viable in a kind of financial sense and things like that. Whereas a lot of the time, I think we should strip that all back and just try and be, you know, as true to ourselves as possible. And, you know, in that way, and that may be mundane, uh, it, it, it might it might not, you know, rake in the bucks, but you can rake in the bucks some other way, you know, but yeah. as long as you, as long as you do this thing, because it's important, you know, and if it's important to other people, amazing, but if it's important to you, that is enough and, and it will nurture your soul. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, I think that's a beautiful sentiment to end on. <laughs> <laughs> Have the right cadence, you know. Na 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 na. Beautiful. <laughs> Spoken like a true musician. <laughs> okay, so if you before you go, if you let um, people know how to find you and how to listen to Girl and all of that. Yes, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Girl Band. That's G U R L. Um, and we have a music video coming out in the next couple of months. So, uh, and, and it looks great so far. So I, I hope you all enjoy it. It's very exciting. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me and for uh, speaking with me on the phone all the way from Bristol. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for having me. That was episode 11 of Live and Friends Self Care Sunday podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode in conversation with Josh Dalton. Make sure that you're subscribed to either SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to listen. And if you enjoy the podcast, please do take a minute to write a review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure that you are following Liv's Self-Care Sunday on Instagram to stay up to date with the written posts and find out what the topic is going to be next week. And do make sure you message uh, that account, message me, if you would like your voice to be added to the conversation. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful week and I shall speak to you next Sunday.